The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, everybody. We're back. This is Dwayne Henry filling in for Neville James on Analyze This on WTJX 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And our guest now is the Honorable Commissioner of DPNR, Jean-Pierre Oriol. And uh, he's here to speak mainly about the comprehensive land and water use plan. Uh, they have some town halls coming up. Uh, Commissioner, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dwayne, and good morning. Good morning to the listening audience of the Virgin Islands. So, yes, we have the um, the third round of town hall meetings uh, on the Comprehensive Land and Water Use Plan. will be beginning on uh, Tuesday, November 7th uh, at the Great Hall in uh, St. Croix. Uh, then we continue on to St. Thomas on November 9th, and those will be at the Columban Hall uh, where Holy Family Church is. And then on uh, November 13th, so the following Tuesday, we'll be on St. John uh, hosting the meeting from the, uh, the Coral Bay Sprung Complex. But we're also going to have uh, mixed in there a couple, like we have done in the past, we are doing some day sessions as well uh, so that people, if they're unable to make it to uh, the evening town hall meetings, um, that they can come out and uh, still assist with putting the plan together and find out where we are with the updates um and you know we're just encouraging the community to come out and you know be part of the discussion uh because you know one of the things we want people to know is that um this is a community driven effort um we've seen uh changes take place we've hear from the community a lot about what uh, they would like to see in a comprehensive land and water use plan to guide uh, how we undertake development. And so uh, it really is an effort to be community driven. Uh, that's at least the way that, that we at DPNR wanted to make sure that we're pushing this out. So, so I know that this effort has been ongoing for donkey years. And uh, recently you, your department, you, you reignited it. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate that. Um, what what do you you seen from the first round? What kind of feedback have you been getting? Sure. So um, this particular round actually is sort of all the information. So in the very first set of town hall meetings, we asked people what was important to them. Um, where are the historic landmarks that need to be featured or enhanced? Where are the recreational spaces that need to be preserved? Um, you know, what percentage of agriculture uh, or lands for agriculture should we maintain? Um, so we really wanted to hear what was important to the public in the first round. The second round, we, we talked about different policies. Um, for example, uh, a few years ago, um, we had a walkability uh, study that was, uh, or a walkability plan that was done uh, we've recently had Vision 2040. We have the agriculture plan that the 34th legislature uh, passed and appropriated money for. So 
all of these policies come together that shape how the development would take place. And what we're doing with this meeting now is based on the input and feedback from the community, we're now showing you the things that you said. We're now taking um, locations that are familiar to everybody and we're putting those into like a two-dimensional display for everybody to see. So when we talk about walkability and we need to have sidewalks, this is what five corners would look like uh -huh. with this you know what do we have to do make changes from our public roadway system in order to incorporate that bike paths um you know we talk about uh reducing flooding and so this is how we would use landscape design to serve as stormwater features and this is what smith bay st thomas will look like this is what um you know cruise bay will look like when we uh um you know Put, but you know, the cruise bay is, is interesting because they also have a, a separate charrette that's moving yes, yeah. forward as well. Uh -huh. And so, um, the design and characteristics are actually much more advanced there because it, it is also a, um, a tangent complementary effort that's taking place, and you have more visualization there. But, um, so at these town hall meetings now, it's it really going to be a presentation of the feedback that we've received and this is what these locations would look like and before we proceed to continue to develop more visualizations we want to make sure that we're on the right track that we've captured what the community has stated is important to them i'm glad you you know it's it's, it's fun because i was going to go to um you know the the, the vision sketches mm -hmm. but you went there before i could ask the question so you know we were on the same path the, the same um wavelength there i just wanted to just say to the public you could see these online at static one dot square dot com okay. if you go to that website you you'll see those um, focus area coral bay and um focus area center line road uh it's focus area Emile Francis Memorial Drive in Smith Bay. Uh, oh, and then there's uh, Tarpon Time Run, St. Thomas, uh, Tutu Park uh, Mall, mm -hmm. Northside, Five Corners. My sister lives uh, up the hill from Five Corners, so I'm especially interested in that. But I like how you said that, um, that you want to make sure you get feedback before because too often we do things and we ram it try to ram it down people's throat and then you get a huge backlash right and and then you just wasted a, a whole lot of effort so you you all seem to be doing this the smart way in my opinion yeah you know i i i was in the i was in the department um in 2005 and when we were uh, when the issue came up again and we were trying to get, it was 2005, 2006, uh, the, the land and water use plan circulated and, uh -huh. and authorized again. Um, and I just remember that um, at that time, you know, and, and GIS was just really uh -huh. starting to be used in the department. Uh -huh. And one of the things that we had shown is that, you know, the, the maps that were there really just showed the estates and the intensity of the uses. But it really didn't give people a lot to, to actually work with. And so now with the tools that we have, um, you know, we're our uh, consulting firm, uh, the Horsley Witten Group, they're employing all of these different tools so that no, you know, it's not just 
conceptual in your mind, but mm-hmm. actually you're seeing it in right. front of you. And you have a good idea of these are the things that we're talking about. But I just wanted to add that um, in addition to the website that you have there, our we so we have a uh, a website that's dedicated to this effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's planusvi.com. Uh, and, um, you know, so you'll see not only the consulting firm and, and the history on them, you'll also see the on-island consultants that they're working with mm-hmm. in each of the districts. Um, and then you'll see results. You'll also see even uh, names of the working group members because that's mm-hmm. the other part is that we ask the community members who would be interested in serving on a working group to continue to uh, assist with this. It's not just... You know, every three months when we have a town hall meeting, but there's right. a lot of behind the scenes work that is happening over and over and over again. And we really want to thank the community members who have stuck to it thus far, uh, giving their time and effort and, and really helping us uh, uh, make this happen. So, right. And just to be um, to be clear. The website I gave just has the pictures, okay. but the website that the commissioner just gave you has much more information than 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 um, and and, and it probably links to this website anyway. Probably is, I yeah, <laughs> but this is where the pictures are. Uh, and yes, I was in the department at the same time back in two thousand five in EP Environmental Protection uh, when the the plan came back up. I think um, at that time. Um, Marjorie Manuel yes. was was the, uh, the the zoning administrator, uh, and I think Usi um, Richards, Senator Richards, had had actually introduced it in the legislature at that time. You know, we as we know, it's had several iterations. This last iteration, actually, legislatively, was um, Alicia Barnes yes. had, had um, introduced that legislation when she was there in the last legislature. So. I just wanted to make sure that you know the people who have tried to spearhead this over the years, you know that they, they that we know who they are, you know. But the it's been you know it's it's good that you talk about uh, you know the the working group members, and I know a lot of them are they come. What are some of the um, backgrounds of some of those people? Um, you know, we we have some. Folks that are, you know, maybe retired engineers. Um, we have people that are, um, I mean, just involved in their community. Some folks mm-hmm. are retired, um, but there's both. A, there's a mix of professional people as well as, as as retired folks, but have been long-term members of the community, um, and just, you know, have lived here long enough to understand what has plagued us, mm-hmm. and so are giving of their time and energy to make sure that we incorporate the things that would cure those things. So, you know, uh, I know like flooding impacts, particularly for Smith Bay community is, um, is one of the major efforts. And, you know, we, we, if we look at the history on Smith Bay and we have, um, we have a, a condominium complex that's near the Margaritaville hotel, um, but that that hotel in the 1950s actually was a big salt pond, mm-hmm. and it received all of the water for the watershed in there. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to develop over that. Right. And so pineapple n- Beach. Pineapple, yes. Yeah. And um, and so now you have 
this, you know, 1,200 acre watershed coming down and, <laughs> and you're trying to channel water through, you know, over a bridge and then mm-hmm. through like a, a six foot wide uh, uh, drain, basically. And um, when we get, you know, what, one of the, the things is that we, we often, we plan for like a hundred year storm or a 500 year storm. But really and truly one of the things that actually plagues us with when it comes to flooding is the one inch of rainfall in one hour. And when, yes, the, and the, those the, are repetitive. Uh-huh. And we get those uh, and climate change we see longer periods of drought, but we actually, when we're in the rainy season, you now see more intense one inch in one hour average. And those things become more damaging, more flood pro, your flood prone uh-huh. areas. And, uh, and, and so we have to incorporate those things. And right. That's where you get the flash floods from. Yeah. And those are the most, um, like you said, most impactful. Yeah. I don't want to use the term necessarily dangerous, but most impactful. And, you know, like I said, with, with climate change, I mean, if you, if you don't believe in climate change, all you got to start outside for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll be like, well, it's, it's either a rainstorm Sunday this morning. Before I was coming in, it just had a sudden rain. So, and I went to my map, and uh, it went to AccuWeather, and there was like no precipitation for the next sixty minutes, mm-hmm. you know. But then I'm looking up, my thing is pouring, you know. But but like you said, when you have these watersheds, and it's good that DPNR over the years have identified them. Thank you, Diane K. Park. Uh, uh, and, and, and I see you have some new signs up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because I was driving and, and the new signs are brighter and, 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 and you know, yeah. because I was driving someplace and I, I was like, oh, there's a watershed site. And it was a place that I'd never noticed it before. I can't remember where it was. Yeah, we wanted to, you know, we, we've been working um, uh, through the division of CZM. We've really had a, a strong, uh, like, watershed action plans are, are being developed. Uh-huh. Um Immediately, uh, one of the things that we got from hazard mitigation, uh, the hazard mitigation funding through FEMA after the storms, was some monies to develop uh, these watershed plans. Right. And, and DPNR's goal was to identify the locations really where we could mitigate the flooding occurrences by putting water, storm water off the roadways back into green space. Um, and so in using that concept, we then also get like 30% designs um, for certain locations. And then we can turn those over and work with public works uh-huh. so that when they're now doing the design for all these roadways using the FEMA funding and, and Department of Transportation funding, and now with the bipartisan infrastructure law, like there's so much available for the full development and how those roadways will look. We're now working closely with them to ensure that, hey, these areas here where we have had repetitive uh, flooding, this is what our watershed design folks say. This is where we can do something a little different, taking that water off the roadway, taking it out of the swales and actually putting it into green spaces. That's very important. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that, you know, the, you know, when we see, you know, often you hear the story, oh, they just build a road and they mash up already, you know? Exactly. And, 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 and honestly, a lot of that in the past, now it's hopefully changing, um, has come because of that no coordination between, you know, 
where you put this road and and an or rather not no coordination but no understanding of the um the environmental effects uh you know yeah. um watersheds and uh potential for for flooding and that kind of stuff so what you get is uh, uh, um i'll give you an example um Clifton Hill Road, which they're rebuilding now, mm -hmm. much better than it was before. Correct. Before they would just pave the road, and it would two weeks later. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then that's because all the water came down to Villa Lorraine at that intersection there with Queen Mary Highway, and it would get under the asphalt mm -hmm. right where the um, there's a swale that goes across, and um, and 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 that would perennially. Get mashed up. They go and they they fix that patch, and they you know two weeks, three. It didn't last any time. Yeah, you know. But but I see now, it's a comprehensive effort, and and they seem to be. It, it's taken a little while, and I know a lot of people are so, upset, but it's being done the right way. Yeah, no, and and that's the thing, right? Is um, unfortunately we went through the impacts that we did from <laughs> hurricanes Irma and Maria, but then now. Over the last six years, what we actually have is significant funding. Like uh -huh. before, you might have had just enough to patch the road uh -huh. and try and you know help out and make people happy who have to go over it, but it it's not fixed. Right now, we actually have a significant amount of funding that allows us to truly address the drainage issues properly designed you know sometimes we have to elevate the road let the water run underneath those type of things so um those designs take time and you know uh one of the things that that i I've, i often say is that you know five years ago when irma and maria hit you know it was puerto rico and the virgin islands had uh access to like billions of dollars to to now start doing all the construction and all of that but boy once we started to see <laughs> the bipartisan infrastructure law funding now uh -huh. um you know the every state now has hundreds of millions all of those oh, things so God. it's going to be slower process design those types of things okay we're here with commissioner um jp oriol from the department of planning and natural resources we're talking compared to waterloo's plan and and funding and all that kind of stuff. We'll be right back in a few minutes and pick up the conversation. Museum Center for the Arts, CMC Arts, invites you to celebrate 20 years at 10 Strand Street, the Blue Building in West. Join us November 4th for our 20 at 10 anniversary fete. Tickets at cmcarts.org slash events. Drink in the sunset with a champagne serenade by Derry and the unforgettable cool sounds of the Eddie Russell Band keeps the evening rolling with delectable catering from Chef George Mailer's culinary artistry with the students of the complex CTCE hospitality program and a live auction hosted by the celebrated Willard John. CMC Arts 20 at 10 Anniversary Fete, November 4th. Tickets available with weekend staycation discounts from our Frederickstead Hotel partners. Join us, cmcarts.org slash events. 
The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening, I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nabaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV, Channel 12. On Saturday, November 11th from 12 to 4 p.m., the second annual Fitter Futures Food Truck Festival and Family Fundraiser will be at Leatherback Brewery by the airport in Fredericton. The community event will include food trucks, games, face painting, a petting zoo, crafts, sweet treats, music, and prizes. Fitter Futures by Beeston Hill, a 501c3, is committed to improving the health, strength, mobility, and social engagement of the elderly and mobility-challenged populations of St. Croix. Good morning again. This is Dwayne Henry filling in for Neville James on Analyze This on WTGX FM 93.1. This morning we have with us uh, the Honorable Commissioner of the Department of Planet and Natural Resources, Jean-Pierre Oriol. And before we go back to the Commissioner, I want to remind the public that the PNR is having these uh, town halls November 7th on St. Croix at the UVI Great Hall, November 9th on St. Thomas by the Holy Family Church, and uh, November 13th on St. John at Coral Bay Sproul Complex. Uh, Commissioner, we were just talking about watersheds and, and, and that kind of stuff and, and how that ties into the whole development process. We spoke about paving roads. You know, the plan as it develops, it's obviously each island is going to look a little different on each island. Correct. Correct. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, you know, each island is different for a number of reasons. A lot of it has to do with topography. A lot of it has to do with already what's in our existing built environment. Um, and then and then also just what each island may favor in terms of what to promote next. Um, so, for example, in the first uh, town hall meetings that we had here in St. Croix, um, there was uh, the public in terms of what was important to them. They stated outright that the um, that that we need to preserve certain heritage spaces was number one. That they wanted to see land, agricultural land, continue to be used for agricultural purposes, and they also stated that light industry should be focused on the South Shore, which also aligns with uh, the Senate President's bill that, that he sponsored um, in the 34th legislature to have the St. Croix South Shore as an opportunity zone. Um, in St. Thomas, you know, we're built. <laughs> like, that's a, You're built out. Yeah, we're built. And, and now what we have to do is we have to um we have to remedy some of the challenges that we see um you know a lot of our slopes are developed which comes creates runoff issues uh -huh. those types of things um and then so 
when you're in an area that's built, significantly built, um, then what we have to do is we have to be more flexible in our zoning and allow for mixed-use zoning. So we may need to combine uh, some residential and commercial. Like, you know, for example, if we look at Shaladamali, you know, all of the old towns, the top floors of all those re- of those shops were all residences absolutely a- and yeah. so you know we may need to go back to that in order to have more space because right now um when it comes to public housing oh. um you know where the cost has gone up significantly oh. um to the point where you know it's you're talking about a million dollars for a two bedroom unit uh-huh. and you know we are we, we I mean we have waiting lists for people that are over three hundred persons long. So um we, we don't have that kind of money, even right. though we we have significant resources. We can't spend a million dollars building <laughs> two and three bedroom units by right. themselves. So um, you know, one of the things we're gonna have to probably do is have a discussion on building vertically. Uh over in Megan's Bay, where we call Megan's Junction two, uh I mean we built a, a a nine-story building there, and it is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. has its own power source, uh, water supply, um, you know, so it's off-grid, and, and it, they're generous spaces as well. I mean, if, if you took that building and put it in Manhattan, uh-huh. those units would be selling for $3 million easy. <laughs> so, um, so but, but there are other places that we are going to have to look at in terms of how do we take that? Maybe it's not nine stories, but how do we take that now and put that concept into other locations where um, we can have another, maybe a four-story or five-story building with units for public housing? And then the other piece, too, is really to... We have to drive the redevelopment of the blight that's taking place in all of the towns. We need to... um, You know, the, the governor introduced... Uh, his concept uh, about a month, a month and a half ago. Um, you know, I know that there is a worry or a fear that that there is going to be some kind of land grab. Again, mm-hmm. the, the the premise on that bill is that there is no transfer of property. Right. You you have a uh, an agent that works on behalf of the family, mm-hmm. and then you have a developer. There's no need for the two of them to be the same entity. Right. Um, if if we can get a nonprofit group to be the developer, um, I think that also uh, may ease or bring some relief to people's minds. But um, we just see so many abandoned properties that could be renovated and turned into housing. Uh, and then, you know, once we have housing, you know, all of our people that leave the territory, go to school, get educated, maybe work for a couple of years. They want to come home. There's no place for them to live right now. And so there's a way to rehabilitate, you know, get rid of the distress on on some of these properties and bring our people back and have them living here in the territory and being the next generation to serve. So, Yeah, the, uh, you know, the, uh, glad you brought that up. The 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 town redevelopment is extremely important, of course, as an attorney, it's good for us um, <laughs> in terms of the legal work. I always joke about that; it is full employment <laughs> for lawyers. But um, but but on the serious side, the 
Let's take uh, just yesterday. I had the um, the principals from the Kane Roots Art Gallery in Christiansted, mm-hmm. and it's near the Sunday Market area that, that they call Times Square, mm-hmm. which you know is prime for redevelopment. Uh, the two huge buildings on the corner. I know you know about them. Everybody always talks about what is owned by a St. Thomas family, and the other one is owned by a Crucian family. They're right on the corner there uh, as you go into Christiansted. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're huge buildings, and it would be so nice. That, and and they're, they're abandoned. They would fall into the derelict mm-hmm. uh, definition. And the thing is, we have to... Uh, if, if, if those can get... I was talking about... That area being like an arts district because we got the Alexander Theater that they're supposed to be redeveloping. You know, the Cane Roots Gallery is there already. That's kind of like the first in that area. But if that area gets developed into an arts and entertainment district, you know, we were talking the mixed use uh, with that. With those two big buildings could serve as um, you could put apartments in there or, or residences mm-hmm. for artists. And, and, and stuff, you know, so that, that's what I'm saying. That there's a lot of large buildings. It's, you know, Charlotte Amalia has a lot of large empty buildings, too, because remember, um, the, you had a lot of warehouses and stuff back in the day that, that used to support the shipping industry mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Frederick said the same thing. And, and if we could get these large buildings redeveloped, you, you, you could have, you know, instead of, you know, that there'll be maybe 10 apartments or something in there you know yeah no i mean um there's and and the thing too is that once you can develop particularly when you have towns and you develop those areas and put them uh and and redevelop for housing Uh then you actually build more engagement in in those areas because people live there so they want to take care of it they want to be part of those communities and you really bring that back Uh um you know we we see um we see that taking place now in in a lot of areas and again that's some of the the expertise that that the horsley wheaton group also brings um with them for us because you know they're they're from a, a small location in um in in massachusetts you know coastal area uh like us but you know they they've done planning in you know the cities in Massachusetts. They've done uh, planning and, and redevelopment plans for other areas in in um, like the suburbs. They've also done work in like Atlanta, and they also work with other Pacific islands. And oh, so, okay. um, who have kind of the same kind of the, the same struggles as we do. Uh, you know, you have a fixed amount of area, and you're trying to do a whole lot. Oh. Uh, at some point, there are some things that we have to say. Okay, I don't think we're going to get that. Like, um, <laughs> like for example, uh, they, you know, I've I've sat in on on discussions and and um, about whether or not we're going to have like a drag racing strip in St. Thomas. Right. And, and I always and I always wonder where. Like, yeah. Like for every quarter mile, you need an extra quarter mile just for the 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 spacing the breaking area and all of that so did did did, did y'all have one out at bavoni at one point yeah what happened to that years ago yeah i know sarah king built that yeah um, there, yeah when it's he not was there governor. It's, yeah it's, not yeah, there it's developed over i guess yeah. yeah but but you're right uh there's something st thomas won't have that st croix can have and there's something st croix won't have uh that st thomas can have uh you know the 
it, and, 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 you know, you speak about building verti- vertically. And, you know, if you do it smartly, you, you know, you enhance the value of the property too because somebody might, you know, the top floors will get a view that they otherwise might not have gotten mm-hmm. if you didn't go that high. Sure. So, yeah. you know, you might be able, when you do a mixed use, you, you know, maybe the top floors, if, if you're going to sell, could sell for higher yeah. than the than the uh, the entry level uh, or the floor the street level and the and the middle um, intervening um, intermediate levels. So so you could have in one building literally three different socioeconomic classes of people. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, we you know there are locations in the country that say for X amount of um, private development units that you do, you have to include a certain amount of, like, you have to dedicate, like, let's say one uh, public housing unit for every 10 that you might develop in this, like, 30 acres or something like that. And and again, it's, you know, it, it needs to be able to, to mix, create a mix for the population because here in the Virgin Islands, I mean, we're, we only have but so much room and we can't say, okay, well, you know, right now in St. Thomas, unfortunately, it's like every house that is now being built, of so many of them up in the estates like, you know, Peterborg, Mandal, oh. they're all becoming second homes and rentals. Yeah. You know, and um, and again, that that's that will lead now to an unsustainable economy over time if you don't have people here that can afford to live here. Oh. And we, you know, we saw it. Um, there, there are some um, cities in Spain where they went to all Airbnb, all Airbnb, yeah. wow. and then when the pandemic hit, uh, the city was shut down. Oh. And then after they lifted all the the ordinances, like there was nobody there, and yeah. there was there was no visitation. The right. economy went down. So. You know, you have to make sure you take care of your people. Right. And then I know, uh, of course, more so on St. Thomas. You know, St. Croix, we probably like to see more, you know, we keep saying agriculture, agriculture, agriculture. I think it, I, I, I just going to use the term green spaces. I think we'd, we'd uh, probably be, be looking for more like that. So we'd be looking at more like horizontal developments. But we got to be careful, too, because, you know, we don't want to end up, you know, the, the place over time. If we if the population grows, mm-hmm. you know, and you're only building horizontally, then you use up all the land anyway. Correct. So, and you know, Kujans have an aversion to building on hills. So, you know, that's why our hillsides are hardly anybody on them except a few big houses and stuff like that. A few Saintomians that came over. Yeah, that came over. <laughs> you know, because we, we don't do we don't do uh, we don't do hillsides. You know, uh, but but. With the development, we have a lot of coastline here on St. Croix, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to look at those, the, the, how we could develop our coastlines and stuff like that. A lot of it is undeveloped. You know, the north side is probably going to stay that way, the, the northeast, because we have the territorial park coming in there, mm-hmm. Maroon Bay, and stuff like that. So I'd say St. Croix with more... Uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's like more park, like I said, green space developments, uh, and, and and then the housing around these huge patches of undeveloped areas. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's certainly a possibility. I mean the way the um, 
the way even the zoning code laid out, you know, it, it goes from being low density, extremely low density on the outer edges. Uh-huh. And then as you get in to the center of the island is where you start to see uh, some increased density. But then they had the areas for agriculture kind of laid out, uh-huh. uh, platted out pretty well. I mean, um, you know, I, I think the the opportunities because there has been less development historically over here there's oh. there's opportunities to make sure that we get the paint the canvas correctly like yes. you know what i mean uh-huh. like we we're not going to be reactionary like we are right now uh in St. Thomas and St. John oh. uh you know particularly St. John it's a struggle because there oh. are there are minimum needs that every community needs like they they just you have to have certain things and you know 48% of St. John uh-huh. is occupied by the national park so that's a, even limiting even more of what we can actually do i know the number one thing for the um cruise bay charrettes has been you know people if if your commerce is in Cruise Bay, we gotta have some place to park. There's none, and then you know, the, 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 you're completely right with St. John. I don't know what we're gonna do because it just took us. Look what we just went to to get a school. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you speak about basic needs. Exactly. You know, and and and, and it can't even get a school built. You know, it's like wow. You know, and and and, and I think that. St. Johnians understand that it wasn't just a matter of you know, swapping a key for land and that kind of stuff. It's the bigger picture that that their resources are so, or, or their, their, their um, opportunities are so limited that, you know, they have to be very careful in how they um, allocate whatever resources they have because they, they don't have the flexibility. Right. But we'll talk more about that and, uh, and St. Croix when we come back after this break. Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers CDs for education, homes, or vacations. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. A penalty might be imposed for early withdrawal, new money only. Funds may not be transferred from existing Bank of St. Croix accounts to CDs. Rates subject to change at any time. Fees may reduce earnings and principal. www.bankofstcroix.com. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. 
Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. The Caribbean Museum Center for the Arts, CMC Arts, invites you to celebrate 20 years at 10 Strand Street, the Blue Building in West. Join us November 4th for our 20 at 10 anniversary fete. Tickets at cmcarts.org slash events. Drink in the sunset with a champagne serenade by Derry and the unforgettable cool sounds of the Eddie Russell Band keeps the evening rolling with delectable catering from Chef George Mailer's culinary artistry with the students of the complex CTCE hospitality program and a live auction hosted by the celebrated Willard John. CMC Arts 20 at 10 Anniversary Fete, November 4th. Tickets available with weekend staycation discounts from our Frederickstead Hotel partners. Join us, cmcarts.org slash events. everybody we're back and this is doing Henry filling in for Neville James on analyze this on WTJX 93.1 the NPR station of Virgin Islands I'm here with the Honorable Jean-Pierre Oriol who is the Commissioner of the Department of Plant and Natural Resources and we're speaking about the comprehensive land and water use plan and all that goes into it and everything but before we go back to the conversation I want to remind the public that Several town halls coming up on St. Croix. It's going to be Tuesday, November 7th at the UVI uh, Great Hall, and that's from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, on St. Thomas, it's going to be Thursday, November 9th at the Columban Hall, which is part of the Holy Family Church, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. And on St. John, is going to be at the uh, November 13th at the Sprung Structure in Coral Bay, that's adjacent to the fire station uh, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. You can see these visualizations and read more about the comprehensive land and water use plan at www.planusvi.com and also um, at the, or their Facebook page, uh, Plan USVI. Uh, we were talking just now about making sure we have housing and I don't know if you recall, about a year ago, there was a, a story where Aspen, Colorado has gotten so expensive since we were just talking about St. John that, and I know St. John is not there yet, but they do have this issue with the workers. Teachers couldn't afford to live in Aspen yeah. based on their salaries. And a couple of people actually built houses for teachers, it, I mean, it wasn't, you know, but, but, but the fact that nonprofits had to go in there and say, okay, we'll, we'll provide housing for, for the, they, the teachers couldn't even afford to live in the town in which they were teaching. Yeah. And, um, that's something that you see in, uh, major cities across where, you know, that's like, uh, you have, uh, programs for teachers, uh, for all public 
mm-hmm. uh, public, public employees. Public. So they can be, you know, transit authority folks, pu- police, firefighters. Um, you you see where they they try and control rent because they're trying to assist and they need those employees to for the public services that we have. Um, interestingly enough, you said that Saint John is not there yet. Actually, we we had we have an applicant uh, in right now where he is attempting to do a um, like a. a a residence that would be more like boarding and rooming. Um, uh, we've been working with him for a little bit now because one of the things that that we said, if you're, you know, if you're really trying to promote that you want public employees to be here, then having single units alone isn't the way to go. Like you're gonna have to do some some two bedroom, maybe some three bedroom, um, but. You know he's he's trying to maximize, um, you know, a small lot to the to what Space, he can do, yeah. and um, you know, like I, I, like initially, you know, he came in and I think he wanted to do something like eighty units, um, and we were like, yeah, you're not gonna be able to get that, no, you know, no. like we can, you have two acres, you're not gonna get eighty uh, eighty units out of that. Um, you still have to have uh, parking. True. Those types of things, mm. those um, those amenities that are necessary, um, but you know we're we're trying to. Those are the types of conversations that we even having as part of this, because again, we the traditional way of developing is not going to be sustainable, particularly for St. John, when you know that if you're going to have a school there and there'll be, you know. K through 12, then you have to imagine you're going to have a hundred teachers that are going to need to be living on the island and doing there. You were, we're talking about uh, Myra Keating and, and how we're going to change some of the services. Again, you have a lot of the employees are, are coming back and forth, uh-huh. um, but you really want people to be able to live and work and be able to respond. You know, our firefighters, our police officers, um, we, we are even, even our ferry workers you uh-huh. know we want them to all be able to live and walk on the island that they uh have i remember for me um when we were opening up the sprout library on saint john you know we were posting the position and we were adamant that <laughs> we wanted the employees who are working in the library to live on saint john uh, so we only posted it for saint john initially it didn't get taken up and and you know we were asking ourselves you know, do we do we open it up to the St. Thomas, St. John district and we just uh, pay for the transportation? And I was like, no, we, we really want to get somebody from St. John. And luckily we were able to get two people uh, and, and now the library is open and and um, and we're we're looking for a third individual as well. So, right. You know, it's always good for people to live in a community in which they serve. And like you said, you know, with the, the, with the school, you, you not only have you have um, the lunch room, the school lunch workers, yeah. uh, janitors, they don't make the whole lot of money. As a matter of fact, they don't make any money. Uh, so it's, it's what we're going to do just, these people are going to come from St. Thomas, you know, and, and, and then, you know, if you're not getting free ferry service, that's a cost. Yeah. And then it becomes, look, I'm making minimum wage and I still have to pay. I got to catch Vitran out to Red Hook. 
and turn around and, and, and pay for it. It's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, so you're not going to get a lot of uh, takers for those jobs and unless we could find, you know, some affordable housing. That's one thing they really need. You know, as the school gets planned and goes up, uh, um, consideration in, in general needs to think of the big picture of how are we going to house those people? Because absolutely, yeah, we see the construction. With you know, the funniest thing, I've been to St. John in a few years, but the last time I was over there, it was like it went over early in the morning, and the ferry is all these workers, especially construction workers and yeah. stuff like that, that that take up most of the people on the ferry, and they they going over there to work and come back. Yeah, yeah, that hasn't changed. It's, right? still- <laughs> it's probably worse now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, you know the, you know, a lot of the. Unfortunately, uh, the 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 local population is is, is a little older, uh, mm-hmm. as, you know. So because a lot of young people move away, yeah, you know. So the um, you know you have this older population and they're not taking up these those types of jobs. So yeah, and even like if we look at what's available, um, you know, it was it was interesting to follow all of the discussions that were happening when we were talking about the land swap because. Had a lot of people that were ideas, or hey, we could put up this land so we don't have to give anything. <laughs> so, the 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 Virgin Islands government needs land for a lot of things on Saint John. So the the school, we we had uh, an idea, we were able to negotiate something that we thought would be beneficial. Uh, we looked into those details, planned that out really, really well. But if people have land that they want to make. Uh, uh, or make available to the government for certain services like public housing, they should definitely look into that because, again, the the Virgin Islands Housing Authority, I think, has maybe three acres of land available on St. John to develop remaining. Like, they have built on all the property on St. John that they had. And so we need... We need at least 50 more units, you know, another Calabash boom or something uh-huh. like that to go up. Um, but we simply don't have the acreage right now. Right. And we're going to have to figure out where, how to acquire that for that purpose. Right. Because like you said, you know, uh, during the, 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 the fight for the school, uh, as I like to call it, uh, you know, some people came out the woodwork and claimed to be giving up, you know, oh, I could give them this line. Like, where were you Yeah. when we needed this? Or the, and, and, and then when you say, well, we can't, uh, we already good with the school. How about giving us this land for something else? No. <laughs> they do it for school, but they won't do it for housing because nobody wants, you know, not in my backyard, NIMBY. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of that over there. Yeah. And, uh, and so you get, you have to question the motives of of a lot of people, and, and, and when people say, oh, but a man said he was going to, yeah, well, why can't he donate that to put some low-income housing? Because th- that's a greater need. We, we have already established uh, that we were to get this land for, this, for the school and at no cost to the government. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you, you, like I said, you question people's motives at, at times, and, and people need to understand that there's a bigger picture. And and there's a uh, there's a thing called the general welfare, and 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 that's what government is supposed to do is provide for the general welfare of the people. Absolutely. You know, and, and and I think through this plan, what we're trying to do is pick up on what are those, uh, what are those absolute needs that all of our community should have, and how can the government 
provide those things in even better fashion. Um, you know, government services, like for example, um, you know, we certain departments, you know, they they have to be situated and and located in areas of the community where they're going to be servicing. That's another thing, know? yeah. So mm -hmm. like we right now, like we see um human services is really pushing to get all of these different head start locations rehabilitated and pushed back because we need those we need those services in those communities and and so you know it'll be great once we get all of them back online and restore those services for people like uh, but you know after the building is done we still need people to be in those buildings to yes. do those and and that's where right now uh you know governor brian has said it we are you know, in 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 the St. Thomas district, we're under four percent unemployment. In the same, yeah, in yeah. the St. Croix district, we're about four and a half percent unemployment. Like, where are these workers coming from? Yeah, we, and we have to be able to create a way for them to come back home, and that starts with having available public housing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know the. Uh and that's what the, the hopefully this plan, this land and water use comprehensive land and water use plan. Um, supports those efforts you know uh, that's what it's designed to do let me ask you uh you know looking at the phase that we're in assuming everything goes bad uh, it goes good and and some movement doesn't pop up at the last minute and and, and kill everything mm -hmm. you know <laughs> we've had instances of, i mean that's what happened before right you know so um i know you're taking steps to 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 keep the people involved and that's key yes i think to to the success of the plan uh what time of timeline we look before uh, are we looking at for legislate for enactment yeah of the plan and stuff like that? so i my goal is to have a draft sort of final plan everything out to the community for comment in march of this coming year and then we would like to have an actual plan before the legislature for adoption by June or July of this coming year. Um, we we had set it out for an eighteen month process. Um, the I think we're still like on there, although we may have um, we want to to tack on a couple more public engagement sessions and making sure that. Um, as much as possible that we are, you know, like uh, there, there's, it's funny when, um, when some people hear that we're on the third meeting and I bump into somebody and they're like, Oh, I didn't hear about the first two. And I'm like, <laughs> you might've been the only person right? <laughs> the way, uh, you know, NT media has me on YouTube. Every uh -huh. time you turn out your phone, I know man, things. your commercials are killing me on yeah, YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> but they can't say you didn't know. Right. Right. right that's true. That's true. So, we know everybody uses their phone. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, but like we, I think we're going to tack on a couple more public engagement sessions. Um, and uh, really, I, you know, probably in the coming weeks, we're going to begin more directed outreach with the legislature. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to make sure that, that um, if they have specific questions, that we are incorporating that into the product. But we, we're trying to think about 
all the things that happened in the past that sort of derailed uh-huh. and and want to make sure that we address those while we're in the planning phase of things. So. You, you absolutely read my mind with the legislature. I was going to say, well, you know, you got to build some time into that yeah. for for educating the senators. Yeah. You know, probably, if, if you know, some people you know, need more um, uh, interaction, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, but hopefully everything goes good with you on that. Uh, I want to remind the public that you have three uh, tongue meetings coming up: November seventh on Saint Croix, November 9th on Saint Thomas, and November thirteenth at Caribbean Saint John. We were here with the Honorable Jean Pierre Oriol, Commissioner of the Department of Planning and Natural Resources, speaking about the Comprehensive Land and Water Use Plan. And I want to thank you for being here, Commissioner. You spent the whole hour with me, so I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys having us on and continuing to inform the public about all the things that we're doing. So thank you so much. Okay. Uh, we're going to, um, like I said, let me just um, mention again, the, those times are at 530, 5.30 to 7.30 each night. And um, UVI Great Halls, St. Croix, the Holy Family uh, Church on St. Saint Thomas, and then the Coral Bay Sprout Complex. Uh, everybody should get involved. They're on the website. There's uh, uh, www.planusvi.com or Facebook at Plan USVI. Thank you again, Commissioner. All right, thank you. Okay, thanks. opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. The Caribbean Museum Center for the Arts, CMC Arts, invites you to celebrate 20 years at 10 Strand Street. The Blue Building in West. Join us November 4th for our 20 at 10 anniversary fete. Tickets at cmcarts.org slash events. Drink in the sunset with a champagne serenade by Derry. And the unforgettable cool sounds of the Eddie Russell Band keeps the evening rolling with delectable catering from Chef George Mailer's culinary artistry with the students of the complex CTCE hospitality program and a live auction hosted by the celebrated Willard John. CMC Arts 20 at 10 Anniversary Fete, November 4th. Tickets available with weekend staycation discounts from our Frederickstead Hotel partners. Join us, cmcarts.org slash events.